What's up, guys? I'm Alex. And I'm Corey. And we're challenging you to think about gaming in a different way. On this show, we'll talk about the games we love and why they're important. This is Super Thought Bros. Hello! Welcome back to Super Thought Bros. Today, we have a fun topic to discuss. This is the game sequels we never got and the ones that we wish we never got. So what we're going to talk about today are some games that we loved, just loved so much that we wanted to see their story continued, but for whatever reason, for a variety of reasons, we never ended up getting those sequels. And on the other side, we have some other games that we wish those sequels were different. We got those sequels, we got the sequels that we wanted, and they just weren't what <laughs> we really, really wanted out of them for various reasons, maybe. They just weren't cutting it for whatever reason. And we can even talk about, like, maybe they weren't great, but, you know, what did we like about them and what would we have improved? But I think the point here is that there's a lot ragging on sequels with movies and and even with games, you know? Well, it's it's interesting because it's so rare these days to have new IPs. Yep. It's really rare. I, I think for Nintendo last year, the only new IP we got was Astral Chain, which is from yep. the developers of Bayonetta. Aside from that, you know, we're, we're far more likely to buy a Mario, Yoshi, Zelda than we are a new IP that we've never sure. heard of. So sequels are huge in the gaming community, the movie community, and and most forms of entertainment because people want what they recognize. They sure do. So I'll start us off. Let's go. The first game I'm going to talk about was a Nintendo GameCube game. I poured a lot of hours into it. This game was Kirby Air Ride. Did you ever play this, Corey? No. So Kirby Air Ride was... Uh, it had a couple of different game modes. It was first a racing game, okay. which was interesting because you actually don't have a go button. You just automatically drive in this game. And oh, it's like a rail shooter? No, it's not a rail shooter, but you automatically go. You control around. It's it's similar to a Mario Kart. There's items. There's flying. and But you just have one button you press, A, which stops and you charge up your speed and it's kind of like a brake slash charge at the same time kind of similar to the drifting concept in mario kart and it was very basic but it was a cool gameplay loop and there was also this other mode that i poured a lot more hours into called city escape and you would drive around this really cool detailed city with a lot of secret passageways and there was a time limit and at the end of that time limit you would do your best to amp up your car, run into your opponents and then there would be a random minigame match at the end of this city escape. So you would sometimes do a race, sometimes a battle, a boss fight, flight test, speed test. It was always so different and you never knew what you were going to get, so you could never like you wanted to have the best all-around car. It was honestly a really unique racing game and we never got another one. I I guess Nintendo just decided to focus on mario kart instead so well but we got another we got another kirby game right sure we've gotten plenty of kirby games they they stayed with the ip they just got rid of that format yeah kirby obviously is is not going anywhere but we yeah we never got that's 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 a perfect segue into my first one which is a nintendo 64 classic what happened to diddy kong racing 
I, you know what? I had Diddy Kong Racing on my list too. Let's. I knew about you it. would. That's why I wanted to jump out in front and get it from you. This game is so fun. Like it is. Diddy Kong Racing was, I don't know, sort of like chocked full of content. Mm-hmm. I feel like there were so many tracks, and you can have, you know, land, uh, air, water. There's all these different crafts and then there was also like a really cool battle mode yeah you remember that that villain whiz pig he was scary man yes and um i just feel like it was it was such a like look mario kart 64 obviously is sort of like the the champion of that category of game but this game totally held its own and uh i'm i'm not real i mean other than like rare basically becoming microsoft's um i'm not sure why we didn't see another one of these I am too. And you remember um, Banjo and Conker, who did not have their own games yet, were actually usable racers in this. Yeah. And wait, I remember being... Wait, be- I wait they be- weren't... That was before Banjo? It was. No way. Because it was not Banjo and Kazooie. It was just Banjo. Oh my God. And you're like, who's this stupid bear? Yeah. And Conker, this squirrel thing. Little squirrel. <laughs> yeah. How funny that they debuted them before they even got their own games. That's awesome. Yeah. Um and and for a racing game, the plot, you know, it wasn't life-changing plot, but there sure, actually, but it actually was had more one. there was more plot than any other racing game yeah, I've ever seen and and it was true. an enjoyable one at that. I forgot about that. Like the one player mode was actually decent. But yeah, I love that game. Uh I hope that the only reason it didn't happen is because, you know, all the issues with rare and not because fans didn't want it cuz everyone I talked to is like, "Yeah, I loved that yeah. game." I yeah, it must have had something to do with the shift to Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm What's going. Your next one? I'm going to stay on the topic of the N64. Ooh, I think I know where you're going. Do you? I think do I you know. know. It's do you know it's going to be Pokemon? We... Oh, you're going with Pokemon Snap, aren't you? You knew it. You <laughs> yes. knew it. One of the best spin-off games in the Pokemon series, in my opinion was Pokemon Snap. So if you've never played Pokemon Snap, it's a really simple concept. You're on a car that's on a on a rail and you try to take pictures of Pokemon. It's a rail shooter. Yeah, a rail sh- rail capture <laughs> capture shooter. I don't know. You, you, you could throw apples and these like little poison balls. It made me so sad when you threw it's them a rail at Pikachu and they got shooter. so upset. <laughs> Anyways, um you take these pictures of Pokemon and the better shots you get of the Pokemon which means, you know, closer, better poses, more Pokemon, the more points you'd get and the more goodies you unlock. And the final level was trying to take a picture of Mew, which is one of my favorite Pokemon. So that was very exciting. It It was a special game that I wish we saw more of. People have asked the Pokemon company about another Pokemon snap, but yeah, the developers say that these days taking pictures of Pokemon is not interesting anymore. No, that's not true. It wasn't I just, even, in yeah. concept, it wasn't even interesting back then. It's the way they did it. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, back then, that was one of the first times that we were seeing Pokemon in 3D, so it was very yeah, exciting. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like I quite enjoyed that game. And, and you know, the people that love Animal Crossing would love a Pokemon Snap. <laughs> I feel like right. there's a whole... I feel like, give me an open-world Pokemon Snap. Two things, first of all. One... Maybe their response to those those requests was the Pokemon Home, you know? Because I guess in some way, being able to, like, hang out with your Pokemon and, you know, the Pokecamp stuff 
is is sort of all it, it's kind of in that category I or guess, what if you, like you know, okay okay so hear me out what if you know we have pokemon sword and shield and we have the wild area which is our first open world area in a pokemon game what if there was some side quest that you had a camera and you had to take pictures of pokemon in the wild and you yeah. could get unlockables goodies whatever for that i don't know just give, give us yeah. a throw us a bone yeah give maybe. us something what blows my mind and this was my second point is think about every nintendo console that has come out since nintendo 64 and how perfect those consoles would be for a pokemon snap idea like right now you could take the switch and literally move it with its gyroscope mm-hmm. and it would be a camera in the same way that you could have used the DS and moved it around like it's a camera. And mm-hmm. it blows my mind they didn't take that opportunity. It's like, it's it's right there. Someday, the, the Pokemon company, in my opinion, sometimes is lax when they are listening to their fans. It's interesting because, you know, Pokemon came out, the recent Pokemon games came out in November, and we've gotten yeah. maybe one patch for it. Animal Crossing has come out three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and we've yeah. already gotten four patches for it. Yep. It's yep. it's just kind of interesting, especially with these new games. The, those Pokemon Company out. just yeah, just not not quite really listening to what we want and giving putting in the effort that we want in those games. Yeah, there's a there's a little bit of like a smug kind of feeling I get from them. Like, oh, we're Pokemon. Like, this is our game. Take it or leave it. Here's the thing. Like, no matter what happens, people are gonna buy those games and they know that because so they don't really strong brand i don't think they think they need to put in as much effort into those games right right oh, well, well i right. had that on my list too so so far we're kind of like yeah we're, we're in the right same, in the same well, yeah we're in the same frame of mind we have um, similar game upbringings i'm st- i'm sticking with the 64 and you'll find that a lot of my games are nintendo games that i either wanted or didn't quite get i'm not gonna lie this game sort of goes into okay so the the game is donkey kong 64 oh um <laughs> i love this donkey is in, kong 64 this is in a weird category for me i don't like this game as much as you did i liked it i saw all of its potential and mm-hmm. i desperately desperately wanted them to try again and when the gamecube came out i was like this is happening this mm-hmm. is for sure they're gonna make donkey kong 3d or whatever they're gonna call it and that didn't happen. And then the Switch came out, and I was like, it's happening. And instead, they released Tropical Freeze. Uh, and then at that point, they, they've sort of just committed to, like, the the, the revised sort of 3D platformer side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't know. I, I would love to play, like, a, like a, a, a Donkey Kong 64 version that's, that's like, Banjo-Kazooie quality in terms of content and, like, playability. And I, I don't – once again, I, I don't know why – Nintendo hasn't jumped back into this. This kind of goes back to our discussion of the 2D versus 3D games of 3D platformers yeah. for many, many years died out and are kind of kind of making a reemergence now. But sure. Donkey Kong 64 was made by Rare. When Microsoft bought Rare, I think they maybe assumed they were going to get Donkey Kong, but Donkey Kong was originally developed by Nintendo. They just gave... Yep. Uh, rare the reins to create Donkey Kong 64 after the success of Banjo-Kazooie. I have mixed feelings about Donkey Kong 64. I loved it when I was a kid. I've gone back and played it many times. It does it's feel hard to play. A, little, a little tough because you're switching yeah, between it's the a little hard so for me much. To play. But I, it's hard it, for me to play too because it feels like it's 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 not, it's not like a bad Banjo-Kazooie. I hate to say that. 
Nintendo is like the the king of like going back and remastering their IPs, and for some reason they're they're just they stay away from this one, and it confuses me. Well, I'm gonna stay on topic with Nintendo and Rare. This is Uh-oh. the obvious. This is the obvious one. We got Banjo Kazooie. We got yep. Banjo Tooie. We never got <laughs> Banjo Three E. Three E. Corey, have you? What What are your thoughts on Banjo Tooie? Uh, Banjo Tooie is fantastic. It's It's very similar to the original. Maybe I like the original a little bit more because it kind of it, it started the series for me. I think I enjoyed that game just a little bit more. But uh, Banjo Tooie is great. So interestingly enough. I I got my N64 back from my basement last year and I booted up a bunch of old games and I realized yeah. that I had spent far more time playing Banjo-Tooie than I had Banjo-Kazooie. Oh wow. And I and I've played both games over the past 8 9 months or so. Yeah. And it's actually amazing how much better Banjo-Kazooie holds up in comparison to Banjo-Tooie. The original game is Yes, it's simpler, the worlds are smaller, and there's not as many mechanics and different abilities and whatnot, but Tui for me, first of all, the frame rate is really rough because they were trying it's, to cram yeah, I remember they were trying to that. cram it's, a lot yep, into a lot that N sixty four cartridge yep. and I that was the, the world... one that they wanted you to have the uh, the jump drive for, right? Yeah, or the, the expansion uh, for the expansion pack, yeah. Um but re- regardless, Tui is still a great game. It just wasn't in my opinion, as good as the original. But at the end of Banjo-Tooie, Gruntilda, who's the villain, says, just you wait till Banjo-3-E, and we never Those got it. Bastards. It never happened. They teased, they teased it and us. didn't deliver? All right, I'm going to take this a step further. And okay. I don't care that I'm jumping ahead to games that exist and shouldn't. Oh, boy, But okay. on this note... Oh, I know where what, you're going. What, what the <laughs> hell was Nuts and Bolts? Okay, I've I've not played Nuts and Bolts, so I can't speak to the gameplay. I can only speak to the game design and what I've seen about it. So tell me uh, your thoughts on it. I I don't have enough time to give you all my thoughts. <laughs> but let me say this. If you are Microsoft and you own Rare and you're saying, hey, we're going to revamp this f- series that people grew up with and loved and we could easily just make a platformer, stick to the script you know, make it look pretty and have a success, and you decide to go and make this this wannabe Lego <laughs> adventure game, it, it blew my mind, and I tried to enjoy it. I really did. But it, it, it doesn't feel like Banjo-Kazooie. Even, even the music was like, like, it was like they didn't try. I don't know. That was one of those series I think they should have just left it dead if that was what they were going to do with it. I remember seeing the original design for them they were so blocky and choppy and i know it was a design choice but i was like why was this the design choice (laughs) right like you're you're in the next generation use it you know yeah and people would have loved to have seen that and i i've i've watched plenty of footage and plenty of your reviews because you know the game is talked about a lot it it just didn't didn't feel like a banjo kazooie game it felt like another kind of game that happened to have banjo and kazooie a weirdly designed banjo kazooie within it It, it's so weird and it doesn't have the charm and the characters don't move well uh and what's disappointing is now we have banjo kazooie as an awesome playable character in smash and he Mm -hmm. both looks and feels amazing so 
Nintendo took him back, made this perfect character model, made him move really well, and you're like, dude, we have it. We have it all here. Just let Nintendo make this game. <laughs> yeah. This is my last game sequel that we never got. I'm going to jump ahead. We're, we're done with Banjo and Kazooie for now and Rare. We've talked about them a lot. <laughs> we're done with them. <laughs> Corey, have you ever played anything in the Prince of Persia series? Uh, yes, I played the very first one, which I believe was on GameCube. Am I wrong? Either GameCube or, or PS2. PS2. I played it on GameCube. It may have been ported, but yeah, yeah, I played it. Yeah. I've only played one Prince of Persia game, and that game was Prince of Persia 2008 on the PS3. Oh, oh, the remake. I, kind of a remake, kind of not. There was or like a, a or like a reimagining, really, is what it is. Yeah, I'm I'm not super familiar with the Prince of Persia lore and timeline, so it might be a remake. But Prince of Persia 2008 is an unbelievably beautiful game. Really. Yeah, you play as this unnamed bandit who is our prince, but he's not actually a prince, I don't think. Okay. And he's basically trying to stop this evil god named Armon from taking over, eclipsing the world. You know, the things that evil gods do. They do, And yeah. the, the bandit meets a princess named Elika, who we find out partway through the game died at the beginning of the game, and her father freed Armin to bring her back to life. Okay. Sounds very similar to Shadow of the Colossus. And the game, sure actually, the game actually reminds me in the tone and the mood of it. It's very mysterious, uh, leaves you wanting more, and a lot of conversations are raised about morality and what we're willing to do for our loved ones. But instead of fighting giant colossi, you're very much, you're like a ninja, you're scaling walls. Yeah. It feels like a Sly Cooper if you've ever played that. And even the battles are really full of tension, climatic, and the story leaves you with a big cliffhanger. Should I should I spoil? Yes, no? Yes, for sure. So at the end, you're basically trying to stop this spread of evil that Armon is spreading to the different territories. And at the end, we go back, we fight Armon, and we send him back. But we find out that Elika, if we put Armon back, is going to die again. And oh, Elika damn. has been with the prince this whole time. And the prince, after seeing her die again, frees Armon once again. Elika comes back to life. She oh, wow. says, what have you done? And we see this shot of Armin, like, reaching his arm out to grab them. And that's where the game ends. Oh, wow. That's great. It's, it's amazing. And it's so great. And you know what? That was, aside from a remaster, that was the last Prince of Persia game we got. Aside oh. from and a, a mobile game, there was a mobile game too that was kind of like runner jumper kind of thing. Sure, but it was sure. the last Prince of Persia proper game we got, and it's so sad because. Who do you know who developed it? I I don't know off the top of that my probably, head. Yeah, it's probably a smaller developer is what happened. But you know, it, it's it's a it's a well known game series, and, and it has a long history. But it's such a shame because I I can't that game was really well reviewed, and a lot of people loved it, and I it's such a shame. I know with games, like, so that's a special case scenario. I, I know with games that have certain licenses, it gets tricky, too, because, you know, the developers pay for the licensing from mm -hmm. the whoever owns it, you know. So, for example, like, uh, anytime there's a Star Wars, well, Star Wars is its own example because George Lucas Studios makes it. Sure. But, like, you know, when a movie comes out, for example, and they want to buy the rights to it to make a game, 
I think they only have it for the one game unless they make a contractual agreement. So maybe and, and every maybe, once in a while, yeah, I think that you get into scenarios where like the licensing just doesn't exist anymore. And, and maybe the and maybe the rise of the movies had something to do with it. Maybe they just decided well, to put sure. the stock into the movies instead. But still, yeah. I, I love that game, and I, I I replay it every once in a while. It's still wonderful. Um, I love that that we have a movie game on this podcast. Yeah. That's great. They're they're not well represented. I am a. I have a couple. Well, uh, another GameCube. Dude, have I only said? Oh my god, I've only said Nintendo. <laughs> only N64 games. and then GameCube. I'm really. Oh, I'm moving to GameCube. Um, I'm still waiting for that Wind Waker sequel. You want a direct sequel to Wind Waker? I want a direct sequel, uh, okay. and I want it on the primary platform. Not. Okay. Like Phantom Hourglass was really fun. I loved being able to be Toon Link again. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I want like the full fledged out, you know, sequel to Wind Waker. It doesn't have to be like a sequel in terms of like what, where does the story go next? Mm-hmm. But I want the character and I want that world again. That art design. Because um, it's just so pretty. Yeah. I mean, did imagine you... Wind Waker, you know, on the Switch right now. It's, it would just be Well, did, did you play the, the remaster on Wii U? I, I did. And it's wonderful. And it's I love so it. I just good. want, I want a new adventure because I've yeah, played through that game twice now. I'll I'll stay on on Zelda. So we're getting into my games that I wish we didn't get. All of these games are from series I love, and it's not that I didn't wish we had a sequel for these. It's that I wish it was handled better or differently. Oh, no. This is like the ultimate disappointing section. (sighs) Yes, unfortunately. So, you know, we we love Zelda here at Super Thought Bros, and the original Legend of Zelda on the NES is, you know iconic game it was one of the first games to explore an open world mechanic and inspired a lot of modern games today however the sequel the second zelda game was (laughs) the legend of zelda 2 adventure of link and for for some reason nintendo decided to take link from this top-down exploration world to the 2d side-scrolling world and it was weird you know I've, i've played both these games and they feel like games from totally different series and it's so odd it's it's so odd to me because it felt like nintendo had something really special in the original legend of zelda game it was it was something that not a lot of other developers were doing at that time and for some reason they decided to turn it into another 2d platforming game for the sequel which was probably the most common game genre at the time but luckily that was the only side-scrolling game we got you know for Link. so that's such a ridiculous if you think about it i'm thinking about what you just said that they took the original and they're like we're literally going to change the perspective as much as as much as we possibly drastically could. as possible think about how crazy this is so i'm looking at the timeline the first zelda was released february of 1986 uh-huh. the second zelda is released not even a year after january of, of 1987 so oh, they took a, in 11 that. months they completely changed it. That would be like if in the next Animal Crossing, it was a first-person Animal Crossing. Like, <laughs> like, like you don't see game developers do anything like that nowadays. That, no. that, is, that is horribly inconsistent. Right, I have one it. more games that they never made a sequel to. This one's sort of obvious, and, and we've yet to do our episode on it, but I, I'm, I'm assuming you agree. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus is a game that could have yeah. easily had a sequel. It didn't necessarily need to exist... Uh, it didn't need to be the same character per se. They could do anything kind of in that world with these monsters. And uh, once again, if you imagine a game like that running, you know, in 1080p with current hardware, it, it would be so beautiful. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because Team Ico, who created Shadow of the Colossus, they came into fruition in 1997, and they are still around today, and they've only made four games in that time, one of which is a remaster of both their older games. So they take yeah. a long time, um, and, and yeah. we'll talk, we're going to do a Shadow of the Colossus at some point, but there's yeah. a huge community out there that loves that game so desperately. Yeah. And It was they, a Game I'm of the sure. Year candidate, for the record. Yeah. No, it's it not like... You know, it didn't go unnoticed. It's just, it's sort of gotten a little forgotten. This is another wish we never got. I love Sonic. I love him. I grew up oh, with Sonic. Oh, no. This is, Son a, this is a big one. Sonic Adventure 2 is one of my favorite games. I know it has but some the flaws. Sound, but the Dude, music. I literally worked out to live and learn this morning <laughs> from the soundtrack, and I was so amped up. Oh my god, I love oh, that. Man. Your the TikToks must be weird. <laughs> I, I don't understand TikTok. <laughs> Not my thing. The follow-up to Sonic Adventure 2 battle was Sonic Heroes, which was fine, but not amazing. Yeah. And then we got one of the most infamous games ever, Sonic 06. And <laughs> this game, it's, there's, there's no other oh, way to put it. It's, okay. it's a mess, as unfortunately a lot of other Sonics of the past 15 years are. The, the story was really weird. It seemed like they tried to turn Sonic into Final Fantasy. It didn't work. <laughs> The gameplay was—it's even worse than that, yeah. It's, it, the, the gameplay was so glitchy. It was non-responsive. It was—it was just not fun to play. It was game-breaking. Alex, and it, it's like—it's like that they were in the studio and somebody was like, "Oh, we we, we need to release it tomorrow." And they're like, well, "We're not done." And they're like, "It doesn't matter." And then they released it and they're like, "Oh, I didn't hit the render button." <laughs> and then they're like, it, "It doesn't matter. Just release it anyways." Like it's that bad. It's, and you know what? Here's the thing. This has happened a lot in the Sonic series, and I don't necessarily blame the game developers for two reasons. One is because Sonic moves so fast, those levels take... A, a two-minute level takes yeah. four to five times as long as a Mario level, it. for example. And second, I'm pretty sure that Sega says, you have to finish this game by to, by this date or else, and they're like, we're not done yet, and they're like, too bad. And then they yeah. go out, and they're not as good. And of course, this uh, game culminates in sonic making out with a woman a human woman and it's just odd my god you know it's 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 a shame i haven't played a lot of 3d sonic in a while and it seems like most of the games in the recent few years have been better but 06 was truly one of the bottoms of this franchise i'm i'm i'm, I'm sticking with games that sorely disappointed us did you ever play duke nukem <laughs> I've never played it, but I, I know all about it. <laughs> yeah, Duke Nukem sort of infamous Nintendo 64 game. Sort of like ridiculous third-person shooter that <laughs> made fun of itself and was also like really fun and silly, but like but like a relic of the 90s. Like mm -hmm. very much representative of like the humor and the type of things that you would have found funny back then yeah uh so for a long time people were like we need the sequel we need the sequel uh and they just like kept delaying it duke nukem zero i think is what it is and they kept delaying it and so finally this game is released like 15 years later um and it's just absolutely abysmal like from graphics to like the gameplay is horrible but worst of all they like the jokes that were funny in the 90s just like aren't funny anymore it's <laughs> okay. just like it's pure toilet humor uh -huh. um and like even like <laughs> arguably like toxic and masculine in a way that like we've kind of moved past um so for so many reasons duke nukem needs to have 
needs to be buried forever. All right, I've got two more games. It's very hard for me to talk about this next game. Oh. Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Even though I I don't know if I've talked about it too much on the show yet, but it's a it's a really you, you, special You mentioned it on the stream and and it sounded like you're getting a little teary-eyed. Yeah, it's a really special series for me. I I truly in ways that I had not experienced yet when the first Kingdom Hearts came out, I fell in love with that game. And I played it to completion multiple times. I knew everything about it, and I did the same for Kingdom Hearts 2. Also, Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2, some of the best video game soundtracks of all time. I listen to it all the time. I've been to their live concert. I sob as soon as the music starts. It's amazing. Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2005, and we heard nothing about Kingdom Hearts 3 until, I believe, 2013, when they finally released a trailer and said it was in development and all of us sobbed, screamed, cried. It was, it was very (laughs) exciting. And then we had to wait another six years Mm -hmm. for Kingdom Hearts three to actually come out in 2019. So our expectations were really high. I, I love Kingdom Hearts. I love it so much. And we've been waiting so long for another proper sequel, not another spinoff and Kingdom Hearts three at best was okay it just didn't have the magic of the original games and i i will say the last five hours of the game were really cool and they were they were candy to the hardcore fans like me and the combat is really great probably the best in the series but the real problem i had with kingdom hearts was what the kingdom Hearts series is known for the disney worlds before release you know square enix through the developers kept on saying these would be the biggest kingdom hearts worlds we have ever seen and they were but big doesn't equate to good right after all the initial character introductions and whatnot in every every disney world you just would end up running through the endless forests of tangled or the never-ending snowy peaks of frozen (laughs) that all looked exactly the same for hours and the worlds were big but they weren't filled out well and and it made me feel like what i was doing in that game was just not important i didn't feel like i was having any impact on the disney worlds or making any progress in stopping xehanort who is the ultimate baddie sure and on on top of that all the disney worlds picked for kingdom hearts 3 didn't have main antagonist per se you know in the in the original kingdom hearts you would finish disney world and the last boss you would fight in that world would be these iconic villains like genie version of jafar and captain hook and maleficent and like all these people you wanted to beat to a pulp and now it just seems like every world ended in a generic heartless fight yeah the combat was good but I, it was just like okay here's another big heartless i fought bajillions yeah. of these in my life it, just, it just wasn't didn't... it wasn't enough for the time it took i, I think i know why too where this gets complicated is sort of the reason you love the game is maybe also what hurt it, which is this this obviously incorporating Disney. And we don't know we don't know what the power balance is like between Square sure. Enix and Disney. But I have a theory. Um, if you take a look at the Pixar movies that came out between when the game was first announced, which was 2013-ish, somewhere around there. So if you take a look at those movies, Inside Out, the Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars 3, Coco, and The Incredibles 2. Are any of those represented in that game? Uh, 
not off the top of my they're, head. They're, they're so. not. If you look at what comes out just three months after Kingdom Hearts actually gets released, it's Toy Story. I think Disney looked at it and said, we're not going to release this game until we have something that is something coming directly after it so that we can pair these releases a little bit more. And maybe the developers didn't want to put those other worlds in it, you know, and maybe there was some back and forth there. You know, it kind of makes sense that that's maybe what happened. Well, I know that there is a lot of back and forth between Square and Disney. You know, they Disney has to okay all character models, everything they say, yep. every eyebrow raise and everything. So there is a lot. My, I, I played through the game when it first came out. I really rushed through it and I didn't enjoy it that much. So I tried playing it again on stream and I got so frustrated with it. I just, I had, I dropped the controller and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm not enjoying this. I, I, I can't do it. And yep. it was, yep. it's just so sad to me. It's so sad. I'm sorry. That sucks. I can hear it when you talk about it, that you, you desperately want to like that game a lot. I do. Uh, I just, but it, it is don't. what it is. And hopefully you get another one. That's not bad. I have a game that I feel sort of got a sequel, but it, it turned out not to be very good. Uh, so Perfect Dark Zero was mm-hmm. a first person that came out for the Xbox three Xbox 360 as a launch title. Um, and it was meant to be the sequel for Perfect Dark, which was a Nintendo 64 shooter developed by the same company that made GoldenEye. So really, Perfect Dark was the GoldenEye sequel and Perfect Dark Zero was the Perfect Dark sequel. Um, so those lineages are connected. And for those of us that played, that grew up playing GoldenEye, especially multiplayer, that's like, that's such a iconic sort of uh, uh, multiplayer game that we all played. I think a lot of us had that experience. But the problem was Perfect Dark Zero comes out on Xbox 360 right at the time where like online gaming is starting to really blow up. We're looking at like 2005, 2006. And so this game that comes out in 2006 and it's meant to sort of be uh, the multiplayer shooter, you know, that we all knew and loved comes out in a time where like people are online and people aren't really in the same room. So this game's sort of an interesting case where I just, the game itself isn't bad, but it was almost like it had bad timing because Mm. it wasn't really a good online game for a few reasons. And it also wasn't really a good game to like play with your friends. It just like didn't split screen very well. Um, And I would love to see them go back and try to like actually make it because it's truthfully like the Golden Eye sequel, which everyone was looking forward to. Guess what? Another rare game. Another rare game. Why is that a theme? They do- they dominated the N64, they, and then they just oh, such off. a such a sad existence that they have now. But uh, yeah. I have my fingers crossed. Let's. Do you have any more games on this list? I have one more. This oh, is my last game. Okay, okay, okay. So I've talked about the original version of this game on the show before, and it's one of my favorite games ever. Final Fantasy X was, yeah. in my opinion, a masterpiece, and it's time for storytelling and narrative and characters. But pretty soon after Final Fantasy X-2 came along. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Final Fantasy X-2 is a bad game. It follows some narratives that we really wanted answers to in the original game's lore and the world. But my major problem with it was the over-sexualization of the main female characters. The story follows... Yuna, who's the secondary character in the original game, she's trying to find her lost love, Titus, who disappears at the end of the first game, and she's accompanied by some of her gal pals. The game opens with 
Yuna singing in a pop concert in really skimpy clothing and Riku, who's a supporting character in the first game, singing alongside her in even skimpier clothing than she was in the first game, which I didn't even think was possible. Like I said, the game itself is not <laughs> bad. The narrative is interesting. The combat is different than the first game, but serviceable. But to me, the game just really, I look at it and I'm like, you simply made this game for fan service. Yeah. Over-sexualizing female characters is incredibly common in Japanese RPGs. You know, unfortunately, yeah. Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Fire Emblem, and even Persona, they're all really guilty of this trope. Sure. And it seems like sometimes the developers just want people to focus on the woman's body rather than their character arc. And I, I understand that culture in Japan is slightly different and it's supposed to be seen as funny or comical. And I know that not everyone else feels the same as I do about this issue, but even when I was playing Final Fantasy X-2 at such a young age, I, I was probably 14 when I played it, I was just like, this is so blatantly about the it's girls' just bodies. It, yeah. it's, it's just not, it's not important to the story that I was invested in, which was this world that circled around people. Yeah dying and not being able to get out of it and look this it, is this is a this is a topic obviously that we're this gonna is a whole other topic yeah in a, another episode or two or three but is there anything about specifically the gameplay that you also just felt like wasn't really up to par i mean i i personally enjoyed the battle system in the first game better i yeah. i don't love battle systems where i in live time have to scroll through menus if i'm gonna scroll through menus i want it to be completely turn-based where i can take as much time as i need um, so I, that wasn't my favorite thing, but it just, it just, I remember playing that game and just being so like, wow, you guys really just made this game for one reason and one reason alone. Yeah. Porn. <laughs> yeah. So I, to kind of finish things off, I just have like a couple games that sure. these are either games that have the series has disappeared and I want them back mm-hmm. or there's a sequel that's coming but we don't really know when and these are just like this is my 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 little five-year-old like i want list uh so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna rattle these off uh there's an awesome series on dreamcast called power stone it's like a it's like a it's like super smash bros uh bugging a 3d world so like you're you're top down kind of like three-quarter angle and you can actually run three-dimensionally around the room you're fighting in I want another one of those. Uh, Wave Race was a popular game Wave Race. with Nintendo. I think they made one on the GameCube and maybe the yeah, Wii Yeah, that's U, the one that I played. But it didn't do well enough to warrant one, but I'd love to see another one of those. Um, yeah. There was another racing series called Burnout that was yeah. really fun. And Burnout's premise is you're actually trying to create crashes. <laughs> it's like you get more <laughs> points if there's more destruction, which is just sort of like a silly concept. Sly Cooper... Where has Ugh. that series gone? I love Sly Cooper. It's give one us of my a, favorites. Give us a, a PS4 Sly Cooper. Um, there was there was a there was three games that came out on PS2, I believe, maybe PS3, sure. and then they took a long hiatus, and then there was a fourth game which I I enjoyed a lot, and then it's just disappeared. There was supposed to be a movie yep. of Sly Cooper. You remember that? Really? Oh, yeah, I didn't there was know supposed that. to be a live a live action, not a live action, but a CGI <laughs> of some sort movie, and it just died out. I love Sly Cooper. It's yeah, I mean, look, I can't. I don't know what the market is for a Sly Cooper movie because I don't know how many people love Sly Cooper, but I sure as hell did. I love that game. 
And last but not least, and I think we're getting it, but Paper Mario. I knew you were going to say Paper Mario. I just <laughs> I just want to see that style of art with the Switch. Now, I don't know. Do you you want like do you want a, a Paper Mario like the original in Thousand Year Door or do you just want another one that was like Color Splash and Sticker Star? Um I would like one that is more of a true sequel to Thousand Year Door. I agree. Um, I, 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 I don't think they have to change a whole lot. Give me a slightly different story. Give me some new levels. But, like, for the most part, that game's great. I, I would love to play through it in a different I, context. Original Paper Mario is one of my favorite games of all time. Thousand Year Door is also phenomenal. I would love another turn-based uh, RPG. Alex, that's all I got. That is all I got, too. That was fun. I love it. You know, we would love to see some of these games. And, and a lot of these games we're talking about, they weren't necessarily bad but just not exactly what we wished that they ended up being this was such a this was such a greedy 45 minutes we just complained and demanded for 45 we complained minutes. and That's talked great. mostly about rare and banjo kazooie <laughs> millennials right well if you enjoyed listening to us complain uh check out our other episodes we're on all the major podcast uh mediums we've been streaming a lot more on twitch of late so please come check us out there we've been having a lot of fun with that, uh, Corey, you got anything else? No, that's it, folks. All right, team. Thank you for tuning in. We'll Thanks. see you next time. See ya.